grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The text for this morning comes from the Gospel reading with ties to the Old Testament reading. You may be seated. What just happened in Nightly was God's will. That is God's will that he adopt his people as his own children, claiming them as his own, leaving there no doubt that you belong to me. That is God's will. But isn't it interesting whenever we think in terms of God's will in our life, or we think of it in terms of our marriage, our family, our job, this country, this church. Sometimes when we begin to think of God's will in other aspects or facets of our life, God doesn't deliver his will the way we envision him delivering his will. And it's interesting because you and I prayed overnightly the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer we prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not mine, but thy will. God's will be done. And that prayer is being prayed around the world every single moment of the day by some beloved Christian, brother or sister, including you and me. We have a great summary of this petition that you all memorized, that I memorized when we were in confirmation class. What does it mean to say, thy will be done? Listen. The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. God be praised for that because you and I in our prayer life it's amazing he gets anything done in this world if left to our prayers. God accomplishes his will because he's God. This is his creation. You are his people and his creatures. He will accomplish his will. He will not be thwarted by sin in this world, and he will not be thwarted by sin in you. He will accomplish his will. So when we pray, thy will be done, and if his will is done without our prayer, then why pray it? We pray in this petition or request that his will may be done among us. That his will would be done in our own life. That his will would be done in our marriage. That his will would be done among our children. That his will would be done among our grandchildren. That his will would be done among us as a church gathered here, that his will would be done in our jobs and in our vocations, that his will would be done in every aspect of our life. Are we praying this? Elijah prayed for God's will to be done, didn't he? 
and God's will was done. He, with the sword, killed those false prophets. And yet he who killed those false prophets with that sword and did God's will scatters like a frightened rabbit because he's afraid. That's not God's will to be afraid. To fear man and to fear this world more than we fear God, that is a sin. And how often have you and I been struck square in the head that we have feared things in this world and other people more than we fear God? Fearing God is God's will. Fearing man, that is not his will. And if it's not his will, the only other possible will that can be is, you're in my sinful flesh, this world, and Satan. This is the prophet of God, Elijah. And look what he does. He runs away. He's afraid. He says, I've give up. None of that was God's will. So what did God do to Elijah then? He fed him. He fed him bread from heaven. That's what God did. That's not how you and I handle someone who does not do the will that's been given them to do. We slander them. We talk bad about them. We do not put the best construction on it. We typecast them. We do not want to understand them. We want to judge them. We do not want to love them or forgive them. We want to hold them in that state so that they will always owe us. That is not. That is not God's will. When Paul wrote to the church of the Ephesians, that parish family there struggled like any other parish family. Struggled like your church home if you're a visitor today and our church home if you're not and you're a member here. It's like every church struggles. If we struggle in our homes, we're going to struggle in the church because the church is nothing more than our home brought to this building. Paul talks about sensuality, greed, and impurity, that's not God's will, and yet, and yet, yeah, you and I can say we practice it, don't we? Paul talks about corrupting talk coming out of our mouth, not for building up, but to tear down. That's not God's will either. And yet, you have heard the words come out of your mouth and wished that you could have taken them back it's too late. Paul spoke to the church at Ephesus talking about bitterness, which is not forgiving, wrath, which is judgment that's not ours, anger. He talked about anger, but he said, be angry, but don't sin. You can't stop angry thoughts from coming in your head, but you can stop them from setting up shop and moving you to do and say things. Clamor, stirring up the fat. Slander, speaking truth, but it ruins someone's reputation and doesn't build them up. Malice, unresolved anger and bitterness. That's not God's will. 
then you and I have been practicing something other than God's will, haven't we? We're praying, thy will be done, Lord, thy will be done, and yet we're practicing a will that's completely at odds with the Father's will toward us. Just as Elijah did when he ran away because of fear and ran away because he feared man more than he feared God. What did Paul and the pastor at Ephesus do to these people? They fed him bread. They fed him bread. Bread from heaven. Christ and his forgiveness. If we're praying for God's will to be done and we're seeing God's people fight God's will, how then is God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and when he hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. Listen again. God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil and the world and our sinful flesh, which do not want us to hallow God's name and does not want his kingdom to come. That's the part that bites us right in the rear because we do not want to be broken and we do not want to be hindered in our will. And yet, that's the only kind of broken and hindered person God receives is someone who's broken to his will, hindered by his will, and God has brought him broken and hindered into his presence. Amen, Amen is right. That is the only hope. Look at what Jesus spoke about. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Well, what's the kind of person that comes to Jesus that, re that wants to be receiving these things? He's not talking about filling their belly or their thirst, physical. He's talking about spiritual thirst and spiritual hunger, the kind that can only be filled with the bread from heaven, forgiveness. Jesus himself. I said to you, he says, whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Unlike how we handle people, we cut our losses and move on. God does not do this when we break his heart. He holds us and he comes back to us and finds us. He breaks us and hinders us that we may return to him. And he feeds us when we come back. What a great God we have. This is the will of him who sent me, Jesus said. We've been talking about God's will. We've been talking in abstract terms. Here God makes it very clear. This is the will of him, Jesus is saying, of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Why would God want to save someone like me, who is always at odds with his will? And when I am in line with his will, I Pride is filled in my heart and in my mind that I'm such a great person that God should be thankful that I'm in his church. He said, I'm not going to lose any of you, you proud people, you 
hard-hearted people, you bitter people and angry people. He's not going to lose you. Because the other half of that great statement in the catechism is God's will is done when, God's will is done when he strengthens us. God's will is done when he keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. That's God's good and gracious will. The first part of it scares the bejeebers out of us, and rightly so. The last part of that that I just got through reading is our hope, and rightly so. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son, believes in him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We confessed in that creed when Knightley was baptized, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Jesus is making that very clear. We will be raised from the dead. We will have a body like his glorified body. We will be with one another, and we will see one another, and we will hug and feel one another in heaven. It is not an abstraction. It is a concrete reality that Jesus speaks about so strongly that he reminds us three separate times in this text, I will raise him up. But then he also reminds us, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What kind of people does God draw? He doesn't draw people who've got their act together. He doesn't draw people who do not see that their will needs to be broken and hindered. He only draws people who are broken, who are hindered by their own will. Those are the people that he comes to save. That's you and that's me. He reminds us, I am the bread of life. This is the bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of this bread and not die. Not that it's magic, but that Christ's promise, believe and have what is being offered. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh and my blood which is what is being offered in that Holy Supper, his flesh and his blood for you, that you may eat the very sacrifice that was given for you 2,000 years ago before your face ever was in your father and mother's hand looking at them. Did he do so for you? And in spite of your and my fear, like Elijah's fear, and like the congregation at Ephesus, and like the people unto whom Jesus was preaching in gospel reading this morning, In spite of them, did God say, I came to save you. I came to draw you. I came to break your will and hinder your will so that your will is gone and my will reigns. I came to save you. And so what does he do to Elijah? The same thing that he did to the congregation at Ephesus, the same thing he did to the people that he gathered around him, and the same thing he does to you and me. He feeds us himself. The choir sang it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see indeed. He is good. Feed upon him and be strengthened in his word and faith until you die. That is his good and gracious will. In Jesus' name, amen.
the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.